You know, I, I, um, I often wonder what it is people think that I, I do all day. Because I'm, I'm here most every day during the week. And I think there are some people who think that I am just diligently working on something very important. And I also think there are people who probably think I just lay on the couch and nap all day. But somewhere in between is probably the truth. I don't actually ever lay down and take a nap. And not here anyway. Um, but most of the time what I'm working on is not very important. And yet everybody who comes here... Um, seems to believe that there's some sort of like invisible barrier at my office door that they don't want to violate. And people come in, they go see Kathy, the administrator, and they talk to her, but it's rare that anyone just like walks into my office and starts talking. And if they do, they always preface it with, I'm really sorry to bother you. The truth is that, that you enable me to be in this role specifically so that you can come and bother me. As someone very wise once told me, the interruptions are the ministry. For the most part, the things that I do in my office are things that I'm really just kind of filling time with. They're, you know, they're useful things. Uh, until someone comes to me to speak about something in their life or to ask a question. That's, that's my role. I'm the minister, the pastor. I mean, I don't have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm happy to sort of walk with anyone as they try to struggle and figure out what it is God is calling on in their lives. The interruptions are the ministry. But what I spend a lot of my time on is wondering how we can connect with people who aren't here, people who aren't walking with us, people who, who haven't encountered Jesus yet. Or maybe when they did, they didn't know who it was they encountered. And there are people who are searching for life, for meaning, for purpose, for, for connections to something bigger than themselves. That's our primary reason for being here, right? Because what Jesus has to offer is something really amazing, this, this bread of life that he talks about, this eternal life, this abundant life. And what he's, I don't think he's talking about if you follow me or believe that I'm the son of God, you get a, like a ticket to go to some heavenly reward when you die. That Jesus is here as a person, as one of us, living, eating, walking, and eventually dying just like we do, so that we would understand that this, this life that we've been given is important. And that the God who created it and created us and, and laid out this universe wants to be in relationship with us so that we can live the fullest life possible. That we can live into our potential. That we can thrive in this life. But not just for our own selfish personal gains, so that we remember that God created all of us so that we might together as a community of humanity thrive and live into our potential. That's the kingdom of God. And that, that understanding of that, that potential is the bread of life that Jesus offers. This idea that there is something more than just going through each day and meeting your needs and, and looking after yourself. That, that life can be so much more. It can be abundant, as Jesus says. And I think about this a lot because, you know, we've talked about how, how do we 
eat of this bread? Right? How do we actually partake of the bread of life? And I talked last week about the, the disciplines of faith, the practices of faith, of, of participating in worship, of, of daily prayer, of service to others, of, of studying of the scriptural story so that we can recognize God and, and cultivating a generosity of spirit so that we can give of ourselves. And I think that's important, clearly, and it's important that we believe who Jesus is, but even more important is that we, we do those things, that we, we accept who Jesus is, we believe in him, and we take up the disciplines of faith so that as we go through our daily walk, we can embody Christ. Because the only Christ that anyone is ever going to encounter is you. We, collectively, are the body of Christ. The only physical presence of Jesus in the world is us. We're his hands, we're his feet, we're his mouth, we're his ears. We together are Jesus in the world. And so if people are going to encounter the living God, if they're going to encounter Christ, they're going to encounter him through our actions. Every day, every minute, if people don't see you and see Jesus, then, then we still have a ways to go. And I, I have to be honest with you, I struggle with this. There are some of you probably have been Christians so long that you can't even conceive of how you could act in a way that's not Christ-like. I know that there are saints among us. I've met some of you. You definitely qualify. I, however, do not. I... Uh, you know, I can be like judgmental and I can be wrathful, as Paul says, uh, especially when I'm driving. I have a particular <laughs> unchrist-like demeanor that I have to really, really work on. When someone runs the red light or cuts me off or doesn't stop for the zebra lines, I am filled with anger and wrath and malice and judgment. And that's like petty and small. But it's in those small encounters that I think we have to sort of redouble our efforts to, to be Christ-like. Because we're, as Paul says, and as Jesus demonstrates, you know, Jesus has the full range of human emotions. He is just like us. He is human, fully human. He is prone to anger, and he knows disappointment, and he knows frustration. Heaven knows he knows frustration. He knows all of those things just as we have experienced them. And yet Jesus holds on to, to God the Father and the will of the one who sent him to be the embodiment of God's love and grace and mercy in the world. And Jesus invites us to participate in his life, in his example, by eating this bread of life is the, is the way he talks about it. But we are invited to take on Jesus's demeanor and persona into us as we walk through our daily lives. You know, I used to have a, uh, I used to have an Episcopal Church sticker on the back of my car, and I finally decided I had to take that off because I didn't want to set a very public bad example, right? But I was thinking of putting it back on as a reminder to me that that in every aspect of my life, I am called on to remember this God who, who centers my life, 
and that, that in every small encounter I am given the opportunity to see others as a child of God imbued with all the dignity of their creation. And that even when they're stupid drivers, I can kind of let that go. <laughs> but you know, that's a small example, but there are lots of big ways that that works itself out too in the way that we, we go about our, our public lives and our civic lives and the way we participate in the life of our community. Jesus doesn't call us to separate ourselves off and to think that we are immune to, to the darkness that's out there in the world and we're just going to be a special people all amongst ourselves. Jesus calls us instead to be empowered by him to take on this bread of life into ourselves so that we can go out into the world and be Christ. And heaven knows we live in a world that has plenty of opportunities to name and confront evil. In the small everyday pettiness and greediness that we encounter and in the, in the big movements across society. You know, my grandparents struggled to, to overcome fascists and Nazis and white supremacists. And we thought those things were vanquished and yet they, they are rising again. And, and we are called again as Christian people to name and confront those things as, as evil. Because they are indicative of the same stuff that Paul is talking about, about malice, about anger, about, about hatred and people that we want to divide between us and them. And Jesus tells us there is no division. There are no barriers. That all people are beloved of God. And if we can encounter them faithfully, not letting them go and, and letting their, their, the consequences of their actions be, be forgotten, but remembering that in there is a child of God. And I, I think that we're, we are called to do like Jesus is to confront the world with love, with compassion, with mercy, with grace, with forgiveness. And what Jesus tells us and what his life shows us is that there can be a great cost to confronting the world that way. Jesus pays with his own life. We too may suffer when we confront evil in the world. That it is not the safe path but it is the righteous path. And it is the path to the eternal and abundant life in the presence of God that Jesus promises us. And more importantly, it's the pathway to the kingdom of God, the world in which every human being is able to live into their potential and to be in a community that, that thrives and prospers. That's what Jesus is inviting us into, to be the builders of that world. It's not an easy path. It's not going to come by sitting around and waiting for Jesus to do the work. It comes through our diligence, through our perseverance, through our willingness to walk that narrow path of love and mercy and grace and peace and forgiveness. But when we do, we participate in a life that is meaningful and purposeful and connected to something greater than ourselves that, that fills us up so it's as though we never hunger for those things that we most desperately want and we are never thirsty for the things that fill our hearts with goodness. We are called to be 
Christ in the world to offer the bread of life that we have eaten of to everyone we encounter. Amen.